Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. This is a tough one. It's a tough one, my friends, because I think we misunderstand specifically what the Word is talking about sometimes. And I, uh, as I look at this sermon series, friends, there is, there is so much that is right there. You know, I, I, I agree that there is Scripture sometimes when we'll read it, you know, and one person here will read it, this person will read it, that person will read it, the same thing, and we get sort of different things out of it, you know. God kind of sort of does that because he, he meets you where you are, and so a Scripture will mean something different to you. And then sometimes, you know, uh, we look at certain parts, parts of Scripture, and all of a sudden, what I think that means theologically, what you think that means theologically, that might differ too. And I can understand sometimes how that happens. But you know, friends, in the Gospel of James, I don't think I have ever heard anyone say that you could interpret that differently. I don't, I don't know how you could possibly say that's not exactly what it means. I mean, James is right there. He says, this is what I'm saying. And I didn't know the Apostle James. I didn't know the half-brother of Jesus. But I'll tell you this. I suspect that I would have liked him. Because I don't think you ever wondered where he was coming from. I don't think you ever wondered if he was wishy-washy. I don't think you ever wondered what he believed or what he didn't. And I would rather know someone who said what they said and believed what they said and did what they said. Because today, not so much. And you got to listen to the sales pitches and the spiels from this or that, and you got to wonder what the intent really is. You got to wonder, what do they really mean? What are they really after? Not so with James. And I've heard speakers and pastors and preachers before, and I would wonder, what exactly were they trying to say? Not so with James. And some people, honestly, don't like it. Some people don't want the truth. Some people don't want your yes to be yes and your no to be no. They want there to be, well, in it. I, uh, one of the things that, um, I'm a movie guy, you know that. And one of my favorite movies, and he just died here recently, uh, was uh, uh, Smoking the Bandit. I thought that that was a hilarious movie. Anybody like Smoking the Bandit? Come on, it's okay. You know, I, and I sure who who among you guys would like to have that Trans Am today? Uh huh. Yeah, back then it was cool, but today it'd be even cooler. You know, uh, in fact, my friend Bad Bull, who owns uh, uh, the Blackburn Collision, has one just like it. And to to make it uh, to make it a, a '76, 
uh, he had to take a 77 and cut the top, or had to take, yeah, he had to cut the top off of a car with the, with the T-tops and put it on the 77 to make it a 76. And, uh, and Brad's skilled, he can do that, you know. And boy, I'll tell you what, it's, it's done, and I'm thinking, oh, I'd like to have that car. Pretty cool. But there's something in the movie where they're riding together, you know, the girl's in the car with him, they're cruising along, and, he's, and she looks and she goes, are we really doing 110? He says, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> and they're cruising along, you know. And then uh, she says, what do you do exactly? He said, well, she said, straight. And he finally looked at her and he said, I do what I do best. She said, what's that? He said, show off. And that's the first time and the only time in the movie he ever admitted what he really did. You know, I wonder in life who we present ourselves to be. And if anybody really gets the real you, listen carefully. If you emulate the Lord Jesus Christ as you're commanded to in every regard, people will not only see the real you, they'll see the real him. How about that? Let's start there today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1 again. I know it's kind of stunning to you that we're three messages in and there's life lessons in James. We haven't left chapter 1 yet, but you know that's kind of my MO. In any case, uh, this particular message is receive the word of truth. And you might question why I use the word receive. And the reason I use the word receive is because that is the correct word from the original Greek, and really NASB and ESV are the only versions that are going to say it as receive, and, and, and there's something to that, and you need to understand that. So if you, if you scroll down in chapter 1 to, chapter, or to verse 16, you'll find that James begins by saying this, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard today. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadows. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among His creatures. Now, that's important. We're the firstfruits from among His creatures. In other words, we're the first, we're the best of everything He created. Understand that. Sometimes I think we don't get that, but you need to. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Did you grasp that? The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. How many of you have been angry this week? How many, who was hurt by somebody in the last month? And who got uh, defensive and upset about that? Who did something to you that it just made your blood boil? Yeah? And in spite of that, look what he says. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, anger is an emotion that God gave us. I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry sometimes. But here's the deal. When that's all you see is your anger and you can't do anything about it, you can't turn to God about it, then you will never achieve the righteousness of God. 
And there's a conflict now because everybody wants to achieve the righteousness of God. If you're sitting here today, you do. Amen? Then look at this. Therefore, he says, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Look at that. Putting aside all the garbage that doesn't belong in your life, that stuff that the devil wants to give you and that some people try to give you too. Get rid of all that and look at this. Receive the word that's implanted. Because if the Spirit is in you, that doesn't mean you have to receive it or it wouldn't be here. Some, sometimes, you know, it's kind of like when, you know, the Holy Spirit's in you because you're saved and you know it, and then you're, you're acting a certain way or getting angry or you're, or you're doing this or you're not doing that, and, and that sweet, small, still voice says, you know, and you're like, yeah, but I'm just not ready to, to listen to that right now. You're not receiving what's being offered you. It's in you, but you're not receiving it. You understand? It's almost like the big Verizon thing, can you hear me now? You know, uh, in, in the military and in, in, a, in, a, in any police agency, we'll ask on the radio sometimes, how, how, how are you receiving me? In other words, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you getting the message I'm trying to communicate to you? Because communication in both of those professions is paramount. It could mean the difference between life and death, you understand? And so God is saying to you, are you receiving me? I'd like to say loud and clear, but sometimes we're not. Okay, listen to this. A number of years ago, I had this conversation with a couple who were struggling spiritually. They were living together, but they were not married. Now, you know, listen, you know the rules on that. You know what God says about that. But probably a lot of us in here did it right? For a variety of reasons. But we know what God says about it. So I'm not here to debate to you whether it's right or wrong. You know the answers of that, okay? And I'm not being, you know, churchy about it. And I'm not being, you know, legalistic about it. It's just God says you, sh you shall not do it. But we do it and we justify it. And I'm not, I'm not here to make you feel bad because you did it. And I'm not here to make people who are doing it now feel bad. But the fact of the matter is people have done it. And this, this couple did it. And I never told them that what they were doing was against Scripture, I never told them that, but they wanted me to marry him, and so we had this conversation, and we're talking, and I never told them what they were doing was wrong. They're both Christian kids going to Christian university, and over the course of time, they begin to realize that their living conditions were probably not allowing them to be, to be completely blameless before God. Maybe everything else in life they were doing was there, but that was not. And so the young man began to see it, and he asked me if I thought that what they were doing was disobedient. I mean, that's a rhetorical question. He knew the answer already. You know it. I know it. And the fact is, I never had to tell him what he was doing was wrong. And you know, you know it's pretty, pretty amazing when you know the answer, and someone didn't tell you, and then you've got to ask him even though you know what it is. And so then I simply asked him, well, what do you think? And he, and he looked at me, and then he looked down at his feet, and he looked at me again, he looked around, and I could see he was struggling with giving me the answer, even though he knew it. And he said it was. It was disobedient. And his girlfriend, however, however was not so sure. She began to make excuses as to why they needed to do it. 
It was mostly financial, you know, but it was outside of Christianity. And because, but because it was financial, it made a lot of sense. I mean, they, she had a lot of good reasons as to why they're doing it. I get why. I understand why. But remember, she said, I know it's outside of Christianity. <laughs> well, therein lies the key, doesn't it? All the other things don't matter. All the other reasons from that point on no longer matter if you're a Christian. If you aren't, that's different. But if you are, because it's outside of Christianity, it no longer has any merit. No matter how good the other reasons are. Amen? And listen, friends, you could, you could take this, this idea and put it on any controversial thing in life. Anything. The fact is, she simply wasn't willing to do what the Scripture said because in her own mind, there were too many other compelling factors as to why it was necessary, and those things took precedence and were of a greater weight than the Bible says no. And I begin to think, where in our own hearts and minds should things ever outweigh the Word of God? Ever. And then she admitted one thing. She said, well, you know, basically, I just want to do it. <laughs> she also told me that because she loved the man and planned on marrying, marrying him, that she was pretty sure that God would not condemn them. I love him after all, so that makes it different. Yeah, I said that too. A lot of people I know said that. She said, now, you know, if we weren't engaged and we weren't in love, well, that might be different. And she started telling me about her friends that, you know, are living with people that they have no intention of marrying, and that's probably different, she said, you know. Oh, okay. The fact is, friends, while I couldn't tell her nor anybody else what God is going to do, what I can tell you is what the Bible says. And the Bible says this, in order to be saved, we must receive the word of truth. what it says. To be saved, to have salvation, to be clutched from the jaws of death and have eternity, you must receive the word of truth. But what happens when you don't want to receive the word of truth because you don't like it? Can you still be saved? Well, <laughs> there would be people out there and in other churches, believe it or not, that would say, yeah, I think you can. But you know what? What we think doesn't matter. What he says does. And James says, receive the word of truth. Notice that some versions will say receive and others will say accept the word of truth. They're different. This is where the versions of Scripture really come into play here. Because accepting the word of truth doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with it. You accept that that's what it says and leave it there. But receiving it means you have no choice but to accept it. Big difference in choice of words, isn't it? And that's why the Greek is clear. James says, receive the word of truth. And, and, I, and I'll tell you why this is important. Because receive is the, is the correct word in the Greek, and it's the same one that Jesus uses in John 20, 22, 
when he breathed on the disciples and told them, get this, receive the Holy Spirit. Same word. Boy, that's massive. That is absolutely, everything we think today, everything we do with this stands or falls on that particular word. One word, receive. And the reason that this is important is that in most things of life, we can either accept or decline, including gifts. Accept or decline. But this one is not optional. I mean, how many times has somebody offered you something as a gift and you've declined it? There, there's a variety of reasons, and sometimes it's appropriate to decline. Sometimes it probably isn't. And sometimes it's just personal preference. Amen? Agreed? Come on, right? You with me? You can determine, can't you, whether you're going to receive it or not, accept it or not. In fact, uh, I, I guess I never knew it for sure, but you, you, if UPS comes to your house or if the mailman comes to your house, you can refuse to accept the package or mail that they've delivered. Did you know that? How many of you knew you could do that? You can. And it'll go right back to whoever sent it. But Jesus here is saying, receive the Holy Spirit, and he didn't make it an option. He said, receive it. He didn't say, here it is. Do you want it? No, he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's there. I'm giving it to you. I'm putting it in you. It's there. Not optional. Because when you get saved, friends, it automatically is there and it takes up residence within you. You can't be saved unless it's there. And if it's there, you're saved. Now, the Holy Spirit can um, infill you and you not be saved. I've seen that before, and it's happened in Scripture, too. But when you receive it, when it comes into you and it lives there, well, then you're a saved person. And you've made a decision. And Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit when he breathed upon them. This is why James said, we must receive the word of truth, not merely accept it when we want to. Big difference. Okay? If it's imparted in us, then it's a, a part of us all the time. We must live it. We must breathe it. We must do what it says. And as we will learn next week, it says, do what it says. But unfortunately, many people in the church today merely accept the word of truth or portions of it when it appeals to them or when they agree with it. That's a serious problem in Christianity, don't you think? But unfortunately, I think that people spend too much time trying to interpret the word of truth in a manner that goes along with their thinking rather than just receiving it. You ever notice that? We will try to find ways that it doesn't make sense to us or change what we think it says when that's not at all the intention of it. And when you're trying to change what the word of truth is saying, then you're not receiving it because you won't accept what it says. So the grand prize question is, how then do we receive the word of truth? I mean, you know, and maybe, there, you know what, it's possible, it just dawned on me. I'll bet you there's people in the world today, people in the church somewhere today that probably don't want to receive the word of truth, don't want to know how to receive the word of truth. Because if they receive it, it's there. They don't want to. Because then I can't determine whatever I want out of it. I can't determine what I think it ought to mean or how it applies to me that makes it feel good. That's scary. 
But before we can even dream about answering that question, we have to ask another question, maybe a few others too. First of all, why should we receive the word of truth? I think you have to go there first. I mean, how does it matter unless you know why? Because you won't even work on the how if you don't want to. And you won't work on the want to unless you know why. I mean, that's the first thing. When someone tells you to do something, almost always the first question is why? Why? I mean, I, I, <laughs> when I became a Marine officer, I will never forget. It wasn't so bad when I was a sergeant. You know, it wasn't so bad then. Uh, you know, people might question orders. But when I became, you know, an officer, that was different. And as a captain, I will never forget this. Okay, I mean, I gave an order to the first sergeant of the company, and the first thing he did is turn and he said, "What for?" And and I was going to answer him. I was going to answer him, and then I thought, "No, do not answer him." And he just looked at me, and I just looked at him. He said, "Okay, sir." And went and did it. You see, why didn't matter. It was a command given. Now, you can come back later and say, you know, I'm trying to understand why, why did you order that? Maybe. And I don't have to answer it. We question a lot of things with people authority. We question a lot of authoritative things. I get that. I think that's in our nature, maybe. I mean, every single one of my kids, when I would tell them to do something, would question why. Every single one of yours question why, too. And, and sometimes you answer it, and that, the answer's not good enough, right? You're going to keep asking. But we have to know why we, sh we should receive the word of truth. And, and verse 18 tells us why. The fact is, we are saved and born again by the word of truth. Did you know that? You're saved and born again by the word of truth. How many of you know that, know, know that today? You know, do something for me. Everybody stand up. Mary, you can't do it. Mary, but if you, can, if you can stand today, why don't you stand up? How many of you know the hokey pokey? Anybody know the hokey pokey? <laughs> Let's do the hokey pokey today. Because you are like in death's door right now. Hey, whoo, come on, shake, shake things around a little bit. You won't fall. Come on, come on, do, 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 do some of this. Come on, come on, do, come on, come on. Guys, move around. Come on, get something going here. Okay. Are, are you loosened up now? You're, 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 right, you're, 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 are you receiving what's coming? Okay, you can sit down. Good, thank you. Because you know what was going on. I got you to do it. That's good. Okay, so, so here's the thing. We're saved and born again by the word of truth. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the way you get it. Okay? If, it is God's will that we are to be his children and not be sinful. Did you know that? He wants us to be his children and not be sinful. Be his children and not be sinful. Because you can't be sinful and be God's children. Did you hear that? James 1, 15 and 18, 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, all talk about, listen, listen to what Timothy says. This is good and pleases God our Savior and who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy. God wants you to become his child by not being sinful. Because if you're his child, you won't be sinful. Okay? Now, I know that many people believe that all people are God's children. I know they want to believe that. I, I, I do. I get it. And to an extent, possibly this is true. All people are his creation, for sure. Agreed? 
And since we are created in his image, that sort of makes us his children as created beings. Okay? You understand that? However, the Bible is clear that we only become God's children when we are saved. Why? Because we're lost. And we have lost our inheritance as his child. And he wants to give it back. But when we return to him by being absolved of our sin and begin to live like his child and receive our inheritance as his heirs, that's when we actually become his children. And the Bible is clear that God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone to be saved. Which means he wants everyone to be his child. We're the prodigals, every one of us. And, 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 I, and I know that God is out there at the, at the door open to heaven, and he's, he's looking out expectantly down the road for that child to show up one day. He's been pursuing them and pursuing them, and he hopes that they'll be coming home. The Bible says that there's great rejoicing in heaven when it happens. And the prodigal story tells the truth to us. Jesus said in Luke 15, 7, I tell you the truth in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than anything else. One sinner. We're saved and born again by the word of truth. And the new birth is according to His will. God's will is that we have a new birth, that we're recreated, a new creature in Him. The Bible says that. John 1, 11 to 13, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Notice the right to become children of God, because you aren't until you do it. Okay? The children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born, get this, of God. That's what makes you a child of God, being born of God. That's, we call that rebirth, born again, amen? And praise God, I, I've received it. Anybody? How many are glad that you've received rebirth? Jesus breathed on you the moment you did it by the power of the Holy Spirit said, receive the Spirit. It wasn't an option. You received it. Now, here's what's interesting. Clearly, God wanted all people to be saved. It's His will, but people will argue and say, well, of course God would want us to be saved. We're His children. And again, I say, not until you're saved. Then they'll say something like, well, I don't need to be saved. Then again, they're clearly wrong. Paul said in Romans that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Clearly, God wants us to be saved because He loves us and He knows what the alternative is. We think we know what the alternative is. I'm sure we don't. I'm sure nobody in here, nobody on the face of the planet, no, no one who's ever lived really knows what hell is going to be. I don't think anybody has a clue. We can guess. And we can take what the Bible says about it, which isn't much, and say, well, you know, I don't think anybody has any clue what that really is. And, and Jesus said, you won't want to. <laughs> I mean, that's enough for me. I believe him. Anybody? Enough for me. That's all I need to know. Jesus said, I don't want it. I'm sure I don't. 
Friends, the word of truth tells us this, and not only that, but how to receive salvation and then how to keep it, which brings me to a new point. The word of truth is the instrument by which God effects his new birth within us. The word of truth is how God effects the new birth within you. I mean, it's almost like, you know, uh, I remember when, uh, when I had my, uh, our, our, first chil- our first children were born, and here's the thing. You know, you think you know how to be a parent, but you don't, okay? You've seen other people do it, you watch it, and you were one at one time, so you watched your, how your parents did it. So you have some sort of idea, but the fact is, when everybody's gone, and it's just you and, and you know, and, and, you know and, and, and your baby, well, you're like, wow. Everybody in here thought that when they had one, I'm telling you. And if you haven't had one, you got one coming, <laughs> rest assured. And you're going to ask some questions of people. You're going to ask some advice. You're going to say, well, what about this? What about that? Right? Because you don't know. And the fact of the matter is, the same thing is true here, okay? <laughs> the Word of God is the owner's manual for how to be a Christian. It's the owner's manual how to live a Christian life. It's the owner's manual for the rebirth. And you, and you have to be in there to know what it is. My goodness, John 3, 5, Romans 8, 14, 1 Peter 1, 22, 23, and they're all listed there uh, in, in, your, in your margin, and Titus 3, 5. I put, but I didn't put the scripture there, but the list of them is. And this is what it says. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Had to be born of water and the Spirit. I'm not going to talk about that today. That's a sermon for. Yeah. But born of the Spirit is important. The Spirit has to be in you or you're not saved, period. Got to receive the word of truth, okay? Has to be there. Now listen to this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, are you a child of God? No. But if you're a child of God, are you led by the Spirit? Yes. This scripture alone proves we aren't children until the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and then directs that life. That's a fact, okay? Then, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. That's how it happened, through the living and enduring word of God. You were born again and and stayed saved through the enduring word of God. That's Christ speaking. You understand that? That's how you do it. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happened. That's all in here. That's all scripture, every bit of it. Okay? See, we guess at this stuff. We guess about the Christian life. We guess about how to be saved. We guess about how to keep salvation. We guess on how to live as a Christian. Don't. Don't. And you know what? Don't call up other people and ask them neither. That's a mistake. Because what if they don't know and they're guessing too? Huh? But here's the thing. Does the Bible tell you how to do it? Yeah. And nobody in here, listen, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. You might think you're bright. You might think you're not. You might think you're as dumb as a post. That's Pastor Billy used to say that, dumb as a post. I love it. I can use it once in a while. So here's the thing. You might think you are, but none of you, no, not one person in here is so dumb that they can't read this and know how to be a Christian. There might be some things about it you don't quite understand. I get that. Then you can ask for help on that. 
But does this tell you how to be a Christian, how you should live? You bet it does. And, I, and if you can't get a certain version, then get another one. Get a living or a CEV or something like that. I, I don't care. The problem with it is, see, we make an excuse that we can't get it, but the fact is you're not trying to get it. And you're going to see that at the end of this message too, okay? This is important as well. The word of truth is the instrument by which God effects this new birth, and we have to grasp that. You see, we then become, get this, God's prized possession from His creation. Revelation 14.4 says that these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They followed the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as fruits, fruits to God and the Lamb. You see, God clearly sees those who come to Him and then remain true to Him as His prized possession. I want to be known as God's prized possession. Do you? I want to be known as God's prized possession. I want him to think of me as his prized possession. Here's another question. Who among you doesn't want to be the prized possession of God? I'll bet nobody in here will say, I, I, I don't want to be. I mean, really? Would you, I mean, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to be. You, would, you really wouldn't. And some people who came in today not knowing what this is all about, I'm pretty sure, even though they may not know a lot about Christianity, would say, well, I, I want to be God's prized possession. I don't know anybody that doesn't. And if they don't, then they don't understand at all what the alternative is. They'll do that. Now, these are interesting questions, my friends. Many people might say neither of them needs to be asked because everyone would choose to be the prized possession. At least I think they would. I'm afraid the questions do have to be asked, though, because it's, it's saying to us with this scripture that not all of us will be his prized possession. Not all people will be his prized possession. And, I, and I'll tell you what, <laughs> when I saw that there was a big difference between a prized possession and not a prized possession, I started getting the shakes. Because I want to know that I am, and I want to remain one. I, you do, I think. You know why they're not going to be the prized possession? Because they didn't live a life worthy to be counted as such. And the only way to know for sure is to ask. And all one has to do is look at their own life according to the Word of God. It's a sobering moment, let me tell you. I mean, you look at your own life, and you really do a clear evaluation, and then you read the Word of God, here's what's going to happen. You're either going to be in line with what it says, or you're going to be outside of it, or somewhere in between kind of floating back and forth. And I'm telling you, unless you're on the right side of it, you're there with it, Anything else is, bad, is, is a bad deal. You can't do this. It doesn't work. A lot of people have tried it. It doesn't work. Because if you do that, you're still outside of it. This doesn't go. And, and people want there to be a middle of the road. There isn't one. We want the middle of the road in everything. You know, because Satan wants you to want the middle of the road because he knows you're not where you belong. Jesus said in Revelation, you need a hot or cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want lukewarm. You know, I had a sermon one time, and this was many, many years ago, and uh, uh, this, this preacher said, my wife and I, we don't, we don't argue very much, but when I tell her I want toast, I want toast. I don't want warm bread. I want toast. I get that. That's one thing they fought over. She liked it, you know, just warm bread. He liked the toast, you know? You know, in, in, uh, 
in uh, the movie War Room, uh, I understood what Clara was trying to say. When she brought that cup of coffee out to that young lady, it was room temperature. It was cold to her. She goes, well, she said, Miss Clara, it's cold. She goes, well, I know it. Mine's hot, though. I mean, I think that's a tremendous way of looking at things. Yeah, mine's hot. <laughs> she goes, now. And she made her point, and she said, now let me go get you a cup of hot coffee because you need to make a decision in your life. I love that. I think that's amazing. And here's a woman who thought she was a Christian and doing the right things. Did you know that the Word is able to save your souls? Verse 21, as well as Romans 1, 16 and 17, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel of righteousness, God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Friends, this is huge, and please indulge me for a moment with your full attention, because I have looked at these two scriptures over and over and over and over again. I'm thinking, how, God, why'd you put them together in my mind? Why'd you put these two together in my mind? Why, why did, when I started doing this, this uh, sermon series in James, and, and I read that, that, that passage right there, and then why did you immediately bring, bring Paul and his thoughts in, in Romans to my mind? Why'd you put them together? And you wonder why God mixes things up like that sometimes, because he's good at that. You ever notice you're, you're reading something or thinking about something, and all of a sudden, another verse comes to your mind. You're like, oh, and you, right? And if it isn't, you ain't reading. Okay? How many of you who's reading, that happens? And you might not know the whole verse, but you know the gist of what it said, yeah? Okay? So, so that, that happens. And so I started thinking about that. And I thought, okay. And I've come to what I believe is an irrefutable conclusion. God is telling us in verse 21 of our subject scripture that the word of truth can save us. I get that. I know it can. Do you? Do you? Oh, I'm just wondering if you're still with me. Okay. Who's, who's, who's not paying attention? I'm just trying to see who's not. The word of truth can save you. It did me. And I was unsavable. Were you? I felt like I was unsavable. I felt like I'd been too bad for too long. Who thought that? But the word of truth can save you, and it did. When you begin to read, understand what it said. The word of truth can save you. Get this. We've already established that. But the second scripture is the key to this whole thing because God, again, tells us that the gospel brings salvation to those who believe it. And then he says something else. If the word is able to save you, it is because of the righteousness of God. And becoming righteous is what saves us. And this is true because you can't be saved without agreeing to become righteous. And then what happens is God transforms you. You have to agree to that. God says, be holy because I am holy. And righteousness and holiness are basically the same thing. Friends, listen to me. If you aren't in the word of truth, you can't be righteous, which means you cannot be saved. Not my words, his. He's saying that. And neither can you hold on to your salvation if you don't live what the word says. You cannot hold on to salvation if you don't do what the word says. Yes, I know that there are churches and denominations that believe otherwise. I do not. I do not. You know why? Because the word doesn't say that. 
You see, if your Christianity isn't completely based on the word of truth without compromise, then it is no gospel at all. Did you hear what I just said? If, friends, you don't live what the word says without compromise, then it isn't the gospel at all. It's your own brand of Christianity. And that's awful prevalent today. People want to live their own brand of Christianity, right? And that, my friends, is exactly what Paul says to the church in Galatia. In Galatians 1, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning, get this, to a different gospel. What in the world is a different gospel? Whatever it is they were turning to, okay? But it wasn't the gospel he taught them. He says a different gospel, which is, get this, really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Yes. Happening all over the world today right now, isn't it? Okay. Do you understand this? None of us can be saved. None of us can live to saved and righteous beings if we serve any other brand of Christianity than following it to the letter of what is in the word of truth. If you don't follow it right here, there's a problem. And that's why when I preach and I have an opinion, I back it up with scripture right there. Because you can argue with me, but you can't argue with him. That's the difference. You cannot argue with God. And I don't try anymore because I, I, I lost every time I did it. I lost every time I did it. Then then I wouldn't argue anymore. I just walk away and not come back for a while because I just wasn't ready to. I fought with God. Anybody? When I read that Jacob fought with God, I, I, I did that. Sometimes I still do wrestle with him. Anybody? Okay. And that's what happens, see? But the word of truth is right there, and it doesn't, God doesn't compromise. He doesn't change. He's right there. And either I'm going to conform to it or I'm not. And unfortunately, sadly, a lot of people don't. So they just don't read the word of truth. They guess at what Christianity is. And then they make it, they have a basis of it that they've learned, but then they make their own, and that's what they live. God's not interested in that. Because not only can you not keep your salvation, I wonder if you ever had it. I wonder if you ever had it. Do you know that um, Jesus said something about this himself in Luke 16, 13? He said, listen, he's talking about money, but it doesn't have to be that. He said, listen, nobody can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And the question before us today, which life do you love the most? Do you love this life now in this, on, on this earth now, or do you think you love the one that's coming later? more because your life will prove it right now it'll prove it right now which one you love the most which master do you prefer god or satan because your life will tell you that too and which christianity do you love the one that's in the word of god the word of truth or the one that you're living <laughs> see we don't we don't want to answer those questions and we don't even want those questions asked nobody wants those questions asked so this is the question that answers everything about you. Which master are you serving? Are you serving Christianity as outlined in the word of truth? Completely without question, without compromise, without watering it down? Or have you been serving the master of your own brand of Christianity, one that allows you to, to pervert and compromise it? It isn't me that's asking. It's the Holy Spirit that's in you that's asking. That question is asked of you every single day, in every situation, with every person, in every crowd you're in. That's that voice that you hear that you want to shut out that's asking you those questions. 
you see. Why? Because with the Spirit, you have a spirit of discernment and clarity and not a spirit of confusion and compromise. That's why. God, the Bible says, does not sow a spirit of confusion. And if you're confused, there's nothing wrong with your Christianity. The confusion is either you don't know what's in there and you haven't been trying to find out. So when the confusion comes, something else is kind of taking your psyche. Or you don't want to know what it says, and so you've shoved it out and you're willing to accept other things, whatever sounds best. This is not a potluck thing. You know, it's just not. It's not a buffet. You can't go in to the Christian buffet and pick and choose the things you want and the things that you don't. I will never forget the first time I went through a Marine Corps chow line. It was pretty interesting. You stood at attention and you went like this. I'm not kidding. Am I right? I bet it's the same way in the Army too, is it? I don't know about the Navy and Air Force, but, uh, you know, hey, I don't know how they do it. Okay? And, and here's the thing. I'll never forget the private next to me. He looked at the Lance Corporal behind. There. He said, he said, the white meat, please. <laughs> uh, you should see the look on that Lance Corporal's face. He went, <laughs> and he picked up this, uh, I, I think it was a, it was a drumstick or a, uh, it was dark meat. I can tell you right now. And he took that thing and he said, pow! <laughs> he threw it in the middle of his kid's plate. Mad changing room flew everywhere. And, and that kid looked at it and his eyes were starting to water up. And he turned to leave and, and, and we never got there. The drill started coming, you're done! <laughs> Just like that. We never got to eat. That built some character in me that day. I knew at that point never to ask for the white meat in the chow line. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah. And, I, and I, I began to think about that a little bit. And I realized, friends, that the spirit of compromise is very real and it's already at work. The spirit of compromise is very real. And it's out there. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 to 11, we find this. Paul, Paul is clear. He says, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. I think this might be the most profound scripture I give you today. And I'm telling you, I would never have thought of this on my own. The Spirit brought this to my mind when I was putting this together. And you know what, friends? I wasn't in a good place when I was trying to fill in these blanks of the, the stuff I was trying to do here. Uh, I, I was overtired. I'd had enough. I'd, you know, that happens to us, you know. And, uh, and it seemed like there was, everybody needed me, and it was a, you know, and, and that, that's, I'm a pastor. That's cool. I'm good with that. But some days, you're just worn down, right? And, 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 and I would never have thought this. And, and the Scripture came to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They've got to get this. And Paul says, the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it back and will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth. Now notice that breath again. With the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Now that's when Christ returns, right? The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. 
in all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Friends, I don't know that there's another scripture out there that brings this point home more than this one. If you don't receive the word of truth, you will not be saved, you will not remain saved, and you will live and believe the lie, and you will be outside of God, and it will be eternity and damnation and hell for you. I don't know another way to say it. And people say, well, I serve a God of love and mercy. Me too. Me too. Praise God. His love sought me, and His mercy allowed me to come back into the family. But He will judge the fruits of my labors at the end of my life. That's a fact. And love and mercy are not going to help you at that point. And you can sit in your seat and be pompous, or you can sit in your car or your, 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 your house or, or, or whatever it is in your own belief system, and you can believe anything you want. God gives you that right. You believe anything you want. And you can sit there like this and say, well, any God that worth his salt wouldn't do that to people. <laughs> Think all you want. But God didn't do it. You did. You did. And I began to think about that for a little bit. And I said, gosh, I, God, you know, I, I feel like I've got to ask this question. I believe that's got to be a point in the sermon. I believe I've got to say to them, what stops us from receiving the word of truth? I mean, what is it? What stops me from receiving it? Why would I? Be quick to speak and slow to listen. <laughs> that's what he said. I mean, Solomon has some pretty good advice for us in Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for him. <laughs> right? Have you ever noticed that we're more concerned with voicing what we think and believe instead of listening to God so that he can influence our own belief system? We do that. Tell me we don't do that. Okay? Listen to what Jesus told Peter when he voiced his opinion. He said, you know, uh, Lord, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want Jesus to say that to me. Get behind me, Satan. Right? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, that's the second part of that verse that almost nobody ever reads. He said, you don't, you don't have in your mind the things of God. You're thinking about earthly things. And I wonder each day, God... When I'm starting to make decisions or I'm thinking about something, am I making earthly? Am, do I have the things in mind of God or am I thinking about earthly things in my own earthly understanding? Everybody in here had better start asking that question of themselves, you see. He says uh, that the reason we can't receive the word of truth is because we're quick to anger. We're quick to anger. I mean, how often have you allowed things to get to you? I mean, little things. You see, we get our feelings hurt so easily. We get angered by things people do or don't do. We consider everything as a personal attack, and sometimes they, had, they weren't even thinking about that. You know, it's just easy to do. Yes, people are self-centered and aloof sometimes. I, I know that. I mean, you know, you, know, you know how it's funny how when, um, you know your kids laugh at you? Did you know that? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're laughing at them too. They just don't know it. But... You know, we all laughed at our parents, you know, and uh, 
And sometimes, you know, <laughs> and I know, I know that sometimes you probably take your pastor with a grain of salt. You probably think, well, you know. Well, I do the same thing for you sometimes, too. <laughs> I think you guys will do things or say things, and I'll be like, <laughs> right? See? It's human nature, right? But I, I, I praise God, my human nature is being replaced by a godly nature. See, see, see right? I, I, I want that more and more, you see. Most times, things are unintentional. And yet, shouldn't we be gaining thicker skin as we grow in Christ? Shouldn't we, Really? Shouldn't we just see that life is life and the Bible tells us that the closer we get to the end of this whole thing, the more this kind of stuff is going to happen? I mean, here's another great question. Where does your strength, your sense of belonging, your joy, and honestly, your attitude, where does it come from? Where is, it, is it from other people? What they did or didn't do? I, 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 tell every, I, I tell every single person that goes through marriage counseling with me and every single person that wants to get saved, here's what I tell them. I go, let me tell you something about people. People will disappoint you. I don't care how much you love them or how much they love you. They will disappoint you. Sometimes. And if you really want to not be disappointed, cling to God. Because if He disappoints you, it isn't His problem, it's yours. But you know what, friends? Our attitudes usually aren't coming from God. They're usually seen to be influenced by the world and society and the people around us. What else keeps us from receiving the word of truth? an immoral or unbelieving life. And that word can be used either way, immoral or unbelieving. And it's almost like un unbelief is immoral. I never thought of it that way before, but as I studied that Greek word, I'm oh gosh, I got to do a full sermon on that. That's unbelievable. So it straight up tells us to get rid of all the moral filth. And then in Luke 16, Jesus said, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at him. Why? Because Jesus had just told them that they couldn't serve two masters, and they sneered at him. They did so because they didn't want to believe that their riches kept them from serving God, but they did. You see, their money was more important to them than God was, and th these were men of God. 1 Peter 1, 1 to 2, to God's elect exile scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. You see, friends, these scriptures give us the mother load of truth. First, James states that evil is so prevalent. Yes? And he's clearly talking about Satan in the scripture. When you add this to the desire for wealth and money, it proves that we'll go to any length to have it. I'm not saying don't have a retirement portfolio. But when you miss life because you are pursuing the dollar, when you miss your family, events, people, and the joy that comes with it because you're pursuing it, something's wrong. Now, I realize that some people have to work two and three jobs to make ends meet. I get that. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But when you don't have to do that, and you're just want more money. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that either, but I think you should talk to God about it. I think, I think you should ask God, God, do I, do I really need to do this? Because the more money you have, the less God you'll need. I, I, I know that for a positive fact, because God took mine away from me because of it. He basically told me, I don't think you can serve me and rely upon me if you've got a nest egg. I don't think you will. And boy, I didn't, I, I didn't like that. But he was right. <laughs> he was right. 
He said, I'll give you money when you can handle it. When you won't put it before me. <sighs> Has God ever told anybody that before? Man, oh man. You see, friends, when we do this type of thing, it's clear that God will take a backseat to everything. Notice that Peter says we can't be the elect and we can't be sanctified if we aren't completely obedient to Christ. And don't you see, this is a direct truth that we can't dump. When we're driven to make more money, it becomes our master. And when it happens, Satan becomes our master. He will do everything to convince you that you need more money, including causing havoc in your life that causes financial crisis to get you to pursue it. He's done it. He will cause financial havoc in your life so that you will pursue more money. I know it. I know it. And this is how he holds you hostage. Friends, here's what I found. No matter how much money you make, you'll never have enough. And the more you, more you make, the more you'll spend and want. See, you'll never have enough money, not when God isn't number one, because for one, you'll spend more than you make, and two, if God isn't number one, you'll never be content. You'll never be content. God's got to be number one. If money's number one, you're never content. But if God's number one, you'll be content with whatever you have. If you rely on Him, it's up to Him. Yeah? Try it. It works. Sometimes God forces us into that, you see. Jesus, James, and Peter all say the same thing. You can't live a moral life if God isn't first place. And Satan doesn't much care what method works to get the pursuit of God off your number one priority spot. He uses many things, but the pursuit of more money seems to be the easiest one for him to use because it's the one we seem to want to go after. He'll use popularity, he'll use pride, he'll use vanity, and he'll, and he'll, he'll use other things as well. We spend more time, friends, in life, in this life, trying to be popular, better looking, made up, better clothes, or pursued by others than we do seeking God as our number one in everything we do. And I told you before, look at your life. Take one day and say, okay, what did I do today? What got my attention today? And I will tell you, busy people almost never have time for God. And I'm a busy person. And I had to make a decision in my life. And this is what I had to do. For me to serve you, I had to make sure that I was serving God first. And I had to make sure, no matter how many, how many people in the church need me that day, I will not go to them until I spent time with Him first. I have to. Because you'll literally wear me out. And He will literally fill me up. This is the truth. And you know what? That's just in the, as a pastor. That's anybody on the planet. You have you got to be filled up. You got to spend time with him first. Lastly, how do we receive the word of truth? Swift to hear. We're out of time here. Swift to hear. <laughs> this one's easy, but why do we have such a hard time with it? To be honest, I think most people know what the word of truth says, so why is it not many actually cha change and obey it? You know? That's a good question. You see there's two types of hearing. One, you're conscious, alert, and listening. You're eager to hear what is said or taught, and you're paying complete attention and understanding to what's being said. And if you don't, you'll ask for clarification. Then, after all is said and done, you work out in your mind how you're going to implement what you've learned into your daily life. It's called obedience. 
And if change is necessary, you won't argue or compromise. You'll just do it. That's one type of hearing. The second type of hearing is where most people are today. Okay? It's where you listen just enough not to be rude. Right? Come on. You either don't want to be learning or you're busy thinking of other things, such as focusing on what else you'd rather be doing today or maybe what you have going on later in the week. You'll play on your phone. You'll talk to others. You might even doodle. Maybe you'll daydream and sometimes even sleep. <laughs> you won't get everything that's said, and if you do, you won't see the seriousness or the necessity of it because you weren't really wanting to change or get the truth anyway. You're checking a box. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a seminar, and that's exactly what I did. And that might be one thing, but doing it in church is different, a different thing. <laughs> Because it isn't about me. It ain't about you. It's about Him. And am I willing to receive when I go in there? Or am I checking a box? And yet there's this one other type of hearing, and this one isn't audible. It's the one where God is speaking to you through the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? It happens when you seek God, when you spend time in the Word, when you actually allow God to speak to your spirit in all the situations of life. This one's tough because it likely pits the will of God against the will of self. <laughs> I doubt that I'm the only one in here that's been there. The will of God against the will of self. And I think there's always going to be this struggle there. Friends, most of the time when we haven't received the word of truth, it's because we're more interested in telling God how it is, what we want, and how it ought to be, rather than, than just listening and implementing as He ministers to us. Here, notice that. And lastly, we have to be humble. Verse 21 says, humbly accept the word of God, which has already been planted in you. You know, friends, maybe it's not really, we're not really humble before God. I, I had to really seriously consider that because I wonder, are you really humbled? I mean, are we truly submitted? I think it's possible that when I see Christians who are doing whatever they please, whatever suits them, and then being completely comfortable doing it, that maybe they haven't really surrendered. And if they haven't, then they can't possibly accept the word of truth. It's obvious when people who claim to be a Christian and live a life contrary to the word of truth and then justify it by saying those who live it properly are just haters and bigots. And I've, I've seen people do that. You know, if you live the word of truth, if you, if you stand on the word of God and you say, well, God said this is wrong. God said you shall not do this. God, you know, well, you're just a bigot. You're a hater. Well, no, it's in here. Well, God accepts everyone. People, not what they're doing. And the day's going to come when he won't accept them either. It's right there. Friends, they just don't understand the Word. And they don't because they're not in it. There's no reason. It's, it's a little scary and it's deadly. You know? Uh, I, I love to read. I, I really do. And, and I'll, I'll pick a book sometimes by the cover, especially if it's got a good illustration on it, or, I, or, or the title grabs me. Anybody? Or, you know what I mean? And, I, and I've rented movies before and I thought, man, that looks good. And then 10 minutes in, it, st it stinks. Right? 
Here, here, here's something I'll tell you. If you pick up a book because you think it looks great or you think the town intrigues you or you think whatever, and then you open up and it's in a different language, how interested are you going to be? You're never going to open it again. And people who open the Word of God and don't understand it or don't want to understand it, it's foreign to them, and they're not going to fool with anything in it. They're just not. That's the way life is. First Samuel 3.10 gives us perspective, and it makes me wonder how often God, uh, when God has been speaking, I dismiss it. You know, I think God speak to us, speaks to us more than we like to admit sometimes. And when I'm listening to a speaker or watching TV uh, or, or a show or listening to the radio or, or I'm in a conversation with people and I don't agree with what's being said, you know what I do? I stop listening. I shut down toward it. I've determined in my mind that there's no intelligent life here and beam me up, Scotty. Has anybody done that? You see, what happens, I won't humble myself to listen because I don't like what I'm hearing. And I often wonder how, how if we don't like what God is saying, what we'll do. Tell you the truth, I think there's a lot of Christians out there today that don't like what God has, has been saying or is presently saying, so they modify their belief and live out their own brand of Christianity. Remember, that's what Paul said to the church of Galatia, but he warned them that what they were believing wasn't the gospel at all. It was simply their brand of something that meant Zero, nada, nothing. Your brand of Christianity will not get you saved and won't keep you saved, but it might get you straight into hell. Now, a lot of pastors wouldn't say that, but I'm saying it because that's what he's, he's telling us. And friends, I would rather you know and be mad at me. I'd rather you know what's being said and be mad at me if it'll change your life. And more importantly, change your destination. And as our worship team comes, let me, let me share this with you. My heart broke for the Japanese student in God's Not Dead 2. Anybody remember that? He was in school in the United States, I think, to become a doctor. I could have get that wrong. He accepted Jesus Christ, and, and, he, and he started talking to his dad about God, and his dad said, God, are you crazy? What are they teaching you over there? And you know what happened? He got saved and baptized, even though it cost him his family, and even cost him the opportunity to get his education paid for, because his father would not pay for it if he was a Christian. I've seen it before, where somebody had to leave a school because they couldn't afford to stay when their parents pulled the plug on them for becoming a Christian. Friends, eternity was more important to this young man than the present. Eternity was more important than the present. And I wonder if the present is more important to us than eternity is. Because in today's church society, it sure seems like it. But the fact remains, if we're to be saved and remain saved, we're going to have to receive the word of truth. The question is, will you receive it? I mean, that's, that's what God's asking. Are you going to receive it? He bre he's breathing on you. He's saying, receive the word of truth. Because the Spirit's in you, and that's what's giving it to you. Will you receive it? Step forward to the altar today if it is your intention to receive the word of truth each and every day. It's sort of like baptism. It's a public acknowledgement of your decision and an invitation for those around you to hold you accountable. And I think, what an amazing resource. If I'll step out of my pew and come to the altar and stand and raise my hand or I'll kneel here or whatever, it means that I'm willing and want to receive the word of truth every day. And everybody around here will see that I've done it. 
And when I don't, they'll hold me accountable. You see, that's, that's what fellowship in the Christian church is all about. Holding one another accountable, lifting one another up, keeping up each other in the fold. There's strength in the numbers when Christ is in the center. Because the devil wants to segregate you, get you alone, so you won't receive the word of truth anymore. And now your destination is in question. So it's up to you. What will you choose? Stand with me today.